I believe God has given me a message for the church today, and I want you to not be upset with me. I am a voice. I, a long time ago, committed when I went, be, accepted the call to the ministry that I would obey my commander-in-chief, who is Jesus Christ, and that I would not just preach what I want to preach, but I would preach what thus saith the Lord. And there are times when a church needs to hear certain things. Now, I'm not the pastor, but what I'm going to preach, there isn't a pastor in America if he's got the Holy Ghost and he's got any kind of anointing at all, would want this message to be preached to their people. Because life as a church is all about productivity, bearing fruit, stewardship. And when I say stewardship, most of you think money. I'm not, even, I'm not talking about money at all today. And so I invite your attention first Two, and I'm going to read several scriptures in your hearing, to the 14th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. 14th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and I'll begin reading with verse 16. Then said he unto them, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent begin to make excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. He was closer to any of them with an excuse. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly, notice the word quickly, into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring hither the poor and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Say it with me. And yet there is room. Say it, speak it loud. And yet there is room. Say it again. And yet there is room. Say it again. And yet there is room. Say it again. And yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel. Everybody say compel. 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 Them to come in that my house may be filled. Say it with me. That my house may be filled. Get your hand up there and say it. That my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. I'm believing it's the will of God that the house is filled. I said, I'm believing it's the will of God that the house is filled. Don't quiet down on me right now. The house of God needs to be filled. And if there's anything we need a baptism of, we need a baptism in old-fashioned soul winning. 
It is easy for us to be turned inward where everything is all about me. Bless me. Heal me. Prosper me. Bless my kids. I pray that every day. Bless my grandkids. Nothing wrong with it. But it goes far beyond that. And I believe today that we need to get back to old-fashioned soul winning, teaching home Bible studies. Bringing people, turning our little automobiles into buses. Bringing people to the house of God. Knocking on doors. Inviting neighbors. Getting under a burden and travailing and agonizing and fasting and praying that God will save our prodigal sons and our prodigal daughters and our backslidden husbands and our backslidden wives and our uncles and aunts and everybody that's lost out with God. We need a burden. We need to get a burden and where prayer and say, God, give me the spirit of soul winning uh, where I bring them to the house of God that the house of God may be filled. That my house will be filled. It is absolutely the will of God. You say, well, why is it? Because outside of Jesus Christ, please look at me. Outside of Jesus, every man, woman, boy, or girl that you look in the eye, if they're your neighbor, your relative, your child, your loved one, your, your schoolmate, your, your companion at work, if they don't have Jesus, they are lost. We don't understand that. And if you're lost, I'm going to say this not harshly, but it's true. There's only two places where we go. We either go to heaven or we go to hell. Think of it. We don't want to talk about When you preach about hell, nobody will come out if you announce that message before the church. Because we don't want to hear it. And I don't even want to preach about it. But it's a fact. It's a reality. That if they don't have the blood of Christ in their life and they have not repented, they are lost and they are going to hell. And Jesus put up the biggest roadblock in the world at Calvary. He said, I'm going to stop this stream of lost men and women that are going to hell. And I'm going to give, shed my blood. I'll do everything for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have life everlasting. Now first understand, we may have some visitors here. I want you to understand, God does not send anybody to hell. Jesus is God. Jesus did not send anybody to hell. He did more than is imaginable to stop that journey to hell. But Satan and the influence of the devil is in the world, and you make a choice. You're going to follow the devil, or you're going to follow Jesus. Jesus offers heaven. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. But we're warned over and over again about the place called hell, and I've just got to I'm going to go through this as quickly. If you, that was chapter 14. Chapter 15 is all about the lost. And I will not take time to read it, but it starts out. What man of you having a hundred sheep? 
if he lose one. He will leave the 90 and 9 in the fold and go out to find that one lost sheep. And if, when he has found that one lost sheep, what does he do? He calls his friends and he says, come rejoice with me. I found the lost sheep. But he said, in heaven, there is rejoicing over one sinner that repenteth. That's why the church, if we want to be heavenly at all, every time a sinner walks down this aisle, there ought to be rejoicing. Every time one's baptized in the name of Jesus, the church ought to be rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing. Heaven's rejoicing. Why not the church rejoice? Next, Jesus said there was a little woman that had ten pieces of silver coin. She lost one. When she lost it, she lit a candle. She took a broom. The Bible said she swept that house. She searched the word diligently until she found that lost coin. And when she found it, she called her neighbors over and said, Come rejoice with me. I have found the lost sheep. And again, Jesus said, There is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. And then the third story that Jesus gives us there is the prodigal son who left home. And the father prayed, and one day the boy came back, and he said, Phil, kill the fatted calf, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, invite the neighbors, let's have a party. My son that was dead is now alive. My son that was lost is now found. He said, they're rejoicing in heaven. That whole chapter and chapter 14 is about lost men and women. Now we step over to chapter 16. And in chapter 16, Jesus continues the same scenario of men and their destiny. He said, there was a rich man. There was a beggar by the name of Lazarus. And the beggar sat at the, the, the gate begging crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But the rich man fared sumptuously and lived wealthy and had no time for the beggar. And the next statement Christ makes is said, and the beggar, Lazarus, died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died, and they buried him. And the next statement said, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And seeing Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, he said, Abraham, please send Lazarus that he will dip the, his, his finger in water and touch it to my tongue. I'm tormented in these flames. Hell is a terrible place. There's not one of us. I can preach about it, read about it. I can never comprehend how tragic and terrible hell is. But it's not a place you want your child to go to. It's not a place you want your brother or your sister to go. It's not a place that you want, if you had an enemy, your worst enemy to go to. Hell is a terrible place. I'll tell you why. Scripture, Jesus makes it very plain about it. He says this in, in, in the ninth chapter of Gospel of Mark, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than to have two hands and go into hell, into the fire that is never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not, the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, Cut it off. It is better for thee 
to enter halt into life than having two good feet to be cast into hell, into that fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. What I'm do I'm establishing a foundation for what I'm preaching here today. We don't want anyone to go to hell. And I, 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 it would be, it would stir this church. Next Sunday morning, there would not be room. There would be a line out front. If every man and woman, every one of you young people, could have a 10-minute inside view, just pass through hell like you're going through the balcony looking down and hear the screams and the cries of the tormented, some of the voices you would recognize. And when you come back from that journey, you would be obsessed. You would say, I'm going to my children's home. I'm going to my neighbor's house. I don't want one soul to be lost. I know what it's like. I heard their cry, and I know what hell is like. Ezekiel chapter 3. Verse 18, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, and speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. That's speaking to the people of God. Now, having laid that scripture foundation, you cannot deny or refute the word of God. To every unsaved person in this building today, I wouldn't walk out of here unless I had things right with God. And to every saved man and woman in this building, I would change my priorities right now. The most important thing in my life is those around me finding Jesus. Can you say amen to that? It's the most important thing. And so today, I have felt this passion and burden in my spirit to talk to you, to preach to you for just a little while, and I won't hold you long, but we've got to change the way we think. We've got to become obsessed with soul winning. Would you all stand to your feet? Look it. I can feel that feeling here. I knew it was going to be that way because I knew the devil was going to meet me right here this morning. But devil, you can meet me here. But I'm going to preach this message in spite of it. I know what it is to fight and be resisted by the power of hell. But the devil has many people where he wants them. But if the church ever gets on fire and becomes agents of Jesus Christ, we will snatch them from the burning. Snatch them from the burning. In Jesus' name. This, that's what all of this Christianity is about, is soul winning.
Read the Gospels, what they refer to as the commission. It's just go. Read Acts 1.8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. That's what Jesus wants. Join hands with somebody. Let's pray against the power of lethargy, the power of complacency. Let's pray for an anointing spirit to come across this building to sweep our hearts. God, change our priorities. Come on, get somebody's hand right now and begin to pray. Cry out to God. Cry out to the Lord. Lift your voice, church. Come on, lift your voice. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Stir us today, God. Let a stirring get a hold of us. Let a burden get a hold of us for our lost ones. Let us get into agony, Lord, and praying in the Holy Ghost, Lord. Give us a spirit of boldness today to come upon us, God, to witness to the lost. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Give me strength. Give me a name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated. Matthew 16, 26. Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? He put it on a scale and said, The soul of a man is worth more than the entire world. That's the gold, the silver, the wealth of the world. It's worth more, so our priorities shall be there. When I think of lost people, I heard Dr. Billy Graham tell the story of a father one time, and the father's daughter was dying. She was a beautiful girl, had been a beauty queen in her school. And as she was dying, and she knew she was dying, and the doctor stood there and said, we've done all we can do. She looked up into the eyes of her father, and she said, Daddy, you taught me how to hold my cocktail cup. You taught me how to dance, how to socialize, how to meet men. But, Daddy, you never did teach me how to die. And I'm thinking about the misplaced priorities of Christians that we don't really get down to where the rubber meets the pavement. But we are preparing, uh, uh, let me address these thoughts to every parent right now, every mother and father in this building. You may look around and say, well, I just don't have the money to give my kids. What some of these people out in the world, they buy them all kinds of toys, big toys, little toys, take them everywhere. Yes, and they're going down the highway with everything in their life. They're learning how to drink socially. They're learning how to run with the wrong crowd. They're learning how to live an immoral life. But I would rather take my children to the house of God 
and have them sit in an old-fashioned apostolic service where the presence and the power of God is coming down. I would rather them hear a preacher get up and preach under the anointing and a choir sing until the glory comes down. I, I would rather them be in an old-fashioned foot-stomping, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking church service uh, where the power of God is falling uh, and where folks are being healed and stirred than to have all the wealth of this world. Uh, there's something more important. When you come to the end of their journey, uh, you may have bought them everything that money can buy them but the most important thing you can give to your child uh, is Jesus uh, and eternal life it is the will of God that his house should be full today 95 million people will stay at their homes or go and watch the Super Bowl Spending millions and millions and billions of dollars this very day for something that's going to be over in about four and a half to five hours. And they're going to have their hangovers and then that little whatever they got out of that four and a half or five hours is going to all be over. But some of you are going to sit here this morning for an hour and 55 minutes to two hours and a half. And what you're getting a hold of gold, you're going to take it home with you. You're going to take it to work tomorrow. You're going to go to work and say, I got it. Hallelujah. It's in my, I'd rather have this than to have the wealth of the world. I'd rather have this than to have all that the world has. This is it. That my house may be filled. Say it with me. That my house may be filled. Say it again. That my house may be filled. We're going to fill this house. I'm feeling faith coming into this place. Some of you are sitting in pews that are pretty full. But if there's a vacant spot next to you, reach over and pat it. And say, buddy. Sissy, you're going to be here with me next week. Come on, pat it good. Come on. We're not going to have empty spots. We're going to bring, we're going to fill the house of God. Say it again, that my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. Come on, you're mumbling. You're just kind of halfway with me. Is the house to be filled? Scream it, that my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. Come on, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. You got to get into this thing. This is not an intellectual message. This is something that has to get down in your soul. That my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. That my house may be filled. He said, now you go ahead and you bite them. And there's a lot of folks that some of us as Christians, we get all bent out of shape when we get some excuses. They just don't love Jesus. They don't want the church. They don't want God. What's wrong with you? Even Jesus found that out. He said, if they don't want it, go get the halt. Go get the blind. Go get the lame. Go get the poor. There's somebody wants this. I'm telling you right now. There's somebody dying for this. They don't know what it is, but they're so miserable. They're so unhappy. They want this. You and I have to find them. 
So they went after the poor, they went after the halt and the blind. And he said, you know what? There's still room. He said, then go into the highways, the lanes, and the hedges. The hedges is the rough stuff. And compel. Say compel. You're going with me, boy. You may not like it, but you're going. You just sit right there. I'm coming after the next one. I'm compelling you. I'm not just being nice and polite. Do you know if you don't get right with God where you're going and your soul is going to spend eternity? Oh, Holy Ghost, start breathing on us right now. God, let conviction come on this audience today. Let every child of God get a new vision and a burden. Compel them. I remember some of you here on old Cherokee Road in 72 when I became pastor. I was crying out to God. I was a young 34-year-old preacher that was scared to death trying to pastor a church that I didn't feel capable. And I, 30 years I never was capable. I had to have Jesus every time I turned around. And you have to have Jesus in your soul winning. You can't go out there and say, well, I'm not good enough. I just can't win. No, you're not good enough. You cannot do it in yourself. You don't have enough brains. You don't have a fluent tongue well enough. You don't have the charisma. But there's one on the inside of you. Come on. He's right on them. You can be a soul winner. You can, you can have an electrifying effect upon them. If you'll let yourself be used of God. And, and I remember those days I said, God, we need to move out of this neighborhood. We need to get out in the north part of town. And so, God, you've got to save some people with money. I don't know if he's ever answered that one. And, and you know, we were having revival. People just coming in right and left. The altars were filled. It was ama I was amazed. I just get up and maybe sometimes preach 15, 20 minutes, and people just start coming to the altar. But they were all on Social Security, welfare. Some of them just got out of prison. They were druggies and alcoholics and... That's the poor, the halt, the blind, the lame. But I watched God take some of those precious people. Hallelujah. Clean them up. <laughs> Put marriages together. Give them companions they found in the church. And by the way, I want to say, when you need a companion, young man or young woman, you find it at the altar. Yes, 
find it in the church. And God changed it. And this isn't about who's who. This is not about you have to have a certain pedigree. This is about who Jesus died for. And he died for a lost world. And that's why he said, you better go out again. If there's still room in my house, I want you to go out again. And this time you compel them to come in. You get a hold of them. You call them at 6 Sunday morning or maybe a little better, 7 call them at 7 Sunday morning when they were going to sleep in said I just want you to know I'm coming by to pick you up or I just want you to know I'll meet you at the front door or at the eastern door or the western door or whatever door but I'm going to be there waiting for you so you better be there what time are you going to be there well I'll be there about nine, 10 o'clock no no you need to be there a little earlier we get started about 9.30 I'll meet you there okay I'll be there and if they don't come don't go suck your thumb and feel sorry for yourself get on the stick the next Sunday and go after them again till you get them back in the house of God let's get a fire burning in our soul let's become soul winners soul winners so we need to be stirred come on let's let's clap a little louder let's get with it. We need a stirring in our soul, God. That my house shall be filled. That my house will be filled. That's what the ark was about. This, in a sense, is a spiritual ark. And everyone that was in the ark was saved. Everyone on the outside of the ark was lost. That last night in Egypt, when God had worked through Moses, his prophet, to bring plague after plague upon the, the, the nation of Egypt, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not let them go, God said, this is the final blow. But Moses, go to your Israel. Go to the people. Tell them to kill the lamb to prepare the meat for a journey and to eat it and to take the blood from that lamb tonight and apply it to the lintel over the door because death is going to reign in this nation. You think Egypt's having trouble today? Can you imagine what happened about 4,000 years ago? And I can hear a little child after that order come out sometime that night and said, Daddy, did you get the blood on the door? Mama said, Honey, did you get that blood on that door? We want the protection of God. Judgment is coming. Judgment, Brother Renison, you were up here. But we used to sing it. I can't tell you when I see the blood. When I see the blood, I'll pass, I'll pass over you. One verse said, judgment is coming. All will be there. Who hath rejected? Who hath refused? Oh, sinner, hasten. Let Jesus in. When Christ shall pass, he'll see the blood over you. We need that blood, church. That blood. 
That night the death angel passed throughout the land and there was wailing and screaming and terror. But every home where the blood was applied was a refuge. And everyone in that house was safe because the blood was applied. Come on, parents, I'm preaching to you today. Some of you, your lost children are still out in that world. We've got to get the blood applied. We've got to get anxious, stirred. Young people, stirred about our parents that are unsaved. What about the neighbor next door to you? What about the people that live across the street from you? I'm doing my best. I'm trying to stir you today. God's will for the church is not that we drive better automobiles and not that we live in better homes and wear better threads. That's not God's will. I do believe God, God's will is to seek and to save that which was lost. He wants that spirit to come on his church. It's got to happen. And, and, and some of these things I'm going to mention, it's, it's, it's right that the world's... I'm glad that they feel this way. But I recall when the little five-year-old girl fell into the well. And somewhere was down there. And they, her mom and daddy was calling. And they could hear her voice, but they couldn't see her. She was so far down. They say, honey, are you all right? The whole world, every major TV network, radio stations, newspaper reporters, all that mob of people, they diverged on that place. And they brought in equipment. They spent millions of dollars to get that little girl out of that well. And on the third day, they saved the child. But listen, the child's still going to die. And Jesus said, fear not him that can destroy this body, but fear him that can destroy the soul. This is about souls. Get your hand up there and say, this is about souls. Come on, come on. Get, get with me today, church. Get with me. Get with the burden. This is about souls. It's about my family. It's about my neighbor. It's about the people I live with. I'm on a burden. And then in San Jose, Chile, August the 5th, last year, 33 miners were drilling and they punctured the wall and the water rushed in. To make it short, from August the 5th until October the 13th and 14th, 33 men were 600 and some feet below the surface. Wives were wringing their hands. Children were crying, my daddy, my daddy. Fellow workers were panicking. Big, robust men, I looked at their pictures, were standing, heaving and weeping. The world stood still. 33 men were below the surface for over 60 days. Can we get them out? Are they alive? Finally, they heard voices. They knew some of them were alive. On the 13th of October last year and the 14th, 
It took two days, but all 33 come out. And the world sang. They should. I'm talking about something much more serious. Do, do you understand? More serious than a five-year-old in a well. More serious than 33 men. I'm talking about millions daily that are streaming into an eternal damnation. We don't understand how serious this is. Like the atheist said, he said, if I believe what you Christians say you believe, the last thought that I would have on my mind before sleep sunk me into unconsciousness would be, I gotta win another soul. The first thought be on my mind when I woke up the next day, I've got to win some souls. I would crawl on my hands and knees across cities to win one. I'm not putting down our shouting and rejoicing. You've got something to shout about. But there comes a time for some weeping, some travail. There comes a time God that man that I work with every day. He was trying to get me the other day to talk to him a little bit about you, but I just couldn't bring myself to it. Change your ways. We need a holy boldness to get a hold of us. That my house can be filled. Hands up and say it, that my house is filled. Wave it, my house is filled, my house is filled, my house is filled. Oh, yes. I remember in 89, I was, 1989, I was in my office over on West Lane. I'm talking on the phone to my friend, Brother Gidrose, in Dallas. I feel my desk going like this. And then the, the roof is shaken. I said, hold on a minute. He could hold on as long as he wanted. I was getting out of that building. <laughs> I ran out of that building. I saw some others running out. I said, something's happening. They said, an earthquake. In just a few moments, we found out that Northern California, especially San Francisco area, had been hit by a major earthquake. Those great viaducts, those bridges, those tunnels, they collapsed. 57 people met their death. But there was one man that was trapped in all that concrete and iron debris. His name, I don't remember his first name, was Helms. And he was there for three days. And the whole world stood still. The news was there. They had to be careful. We don't want more concrete to fall on his, uh, on his automobile. It's already crushed. They worked del diligently and delicately for three days. It was everybody's talk. Everybody was following on the news. What's happening? Have they got him? Is he, is he still breathing? Is he still alive? He hasn't bled to death. Is he 
all right. And the news <clears throat> was coming out. Finally, they saved him. <clears throat> Everybody applauded. But when an old sinner gets up from the back, sometimes starts walking toward the front and says, is there room at the cross for me? Does anybody care for me? David said it, no man cared for my soul. The church ought to stand still and say a sinner has come. There's a new name written down in glory. This is not just some ritual up here baptizing people. <clears throat> We're baptized for the remission of sins according to the Scripture. I'm going to bring my thoughts to a close. I'm not even halfway with my burden. And my thoughts. But we have to change the way we think. Judgment is coming. Listen, the four horsemen are just about to be let out of the stall, according to the book of Revelation. War, death, famine. Antichrist. They're coming. <clears throat> you can't build a fortress high enough to keep you from what's coming. There's just one thing that's going to save this church. The blood of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The word of God. Oh, Jesus, stir us. I, I, I need to say this. Then I'm, I'm going to bring this to a close. I feel the Holy Ghost. I really do. I feel like God is here. I was reading out of this book by Oswald J. Smith. I've had this book for almost 50 years. Oswald J. Smith, pastor of the People's Church in Toronto, Canada. He told, he said, Dr. Alexander Duff, the great veteran missionary to India, returned to Scotland to die. <clears throat> and as he stood before the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church, this was when the Presbyterian Church was a lot different than it is today. He made his appeal, but there was no response in the midst of his appeal, he fainted, was carried to the platform, off the platform. The doctor bent over him and examined his heart. Presently, he opened his eyes. Where am I, he said. Where am I? Lie still, said the doctor. Your heart is very weak. But exclaimed the old warrior, I must finish my appeal. <clears throat> take me back, take me back. I haven't finished my appeal yet. Lie still, said the doctor. You are too weak to go back. But the aged missionary struggled to his feet, determination overcoming his weakness. 
And with the doctor on one side, the moderator on the other side, the old white-haired warrior was led again to the platform. And as he mounted the pulpit steps, the entire assembly rose to do him honor. Then he continued his appeal. He said, when Queen Victoria calls for volunteers for India, he exclaimed, hundreds of young men respond, but when King Jesus calls, no one goes. Then he paused again. He spoke. Is it true, he asked, that Scotland has no more sons and daughters to give to India? Again, he paused. Very well, he concluded. If Scotland has no more young men and women to send to India, then old and decrepit though I am, I will go back. Even though I cannot preach like I used to, I can lie down on the shores of the Ganges River and die in order to let the people of India know that there is at least one in Scotland who cares enough for their souls to give his life for them. In a moment, young men and women all over the assembly sprang to their feet, crying out, I'll go, I'll go. I'm preaching to you young people today, right? Let me just say a few words. Students, you made the greatest decision you can ever make to give your life to God. I preach to other young people in this building that you're contemplating what you should do for your, with your life. You can be an engineer. You can be a CPA. The Lord can use all of those. But I think you first, before you enter any college, any university, you ought to consider being a, a, a worker in the kingdom. You don't have to say anything. I'm saying this because I know what the big pull is. But I'm going to tell you, this thing's winding up, and you're liable to be in the middle of just getting a half of an education. When Jesus comes back, I'd get myself prepared. I'd, I'd give myself to God. I appeal to every young man and woman, make Jesus your priority. He should be the priority in our life. Oh, Jesus. God, I love you. God, I love you. Every person here, don't, don't leave me. Stay with me. Every one of us that has an unsaved, either a child or a companion, or a relative that we love, someone in our family that needs Jesus. Would you just stand to your feet right now? It doesn't leave anybody out, does it? Now let me, could you close your eyes a minute? I just want you to walk with me. And that loved one of yours, get a visual of their face right now. See them. Now see them screaming out in the flames of hell. Please see it. If you can see this, it'll change you once and for all. You're the only means 
hearts, many of them being saved. Did you ever think that God may have brought you in the church so you could be that source that would witness to them? You're here. He loved you. He did this for you, but he saved you so you could reach them. Hallelujah. Just put your hand on a person by and pray for him that God will give us courage right now. That the, uh, that the mantle of soul winning will fall upon every one of us. The mantle of that thing. The mantle of it. Some of you are entering into travail this morning. When you let up a little bit, just get a new picture of that one that you love that needs Jesus. God, let that fire burn. Let that Holy Ghost fire burn. I'm praying for every backslider, God, that you'll bring them back. Every lost sheep that's wandered away, bring them back. Bring back our children, bring back our loved ones, bring back those we love, bring back our neighbors, bring back backsliders, Jesus. Send mighty revival in Jesus' name.